0: SIFTA.com.au Hello and welcome to Lightmap from Sifter. On Lightmap we have conversations and explore the culture of games and interactive media and you meet game makers, journalists and thinkers from around the world. My name is Gianni. Thanks so much for joining me. My guest this week is Narayan Johnson, who you would probably know as Riverboy, part of Willow Beats and composer and musician on Cult of the Lamb. Narayan, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We're really keen to hear a little bit about your process um, and find out about all the cool things that you are doing this uh, in Melbourne International Games Week, because it sounds like you've got a lot on. Um, but before we jump into that, let's find out what's been making the news this week on SIFTA's weekly news podcast, Walkthrough.
1: Hi, I'm Fiona Bartholomew. And I'm Kyle Paletto. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, SIFTA's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 10th of March. We have the highlights from this week's Xbox Partner Preview. Roguelike deck builder Balatro pulled from stores due to misunderstanding about its gambling content. A $2.4 million US dollar settlement has killed the two biggest Switch and 3DS emulators. And this year's BAFTA award nominations are here. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or on our website SIFTA.com.au. every Every Sunday.
0: You're listening to Lightmap. Interesting conversations with video game creators. All right, Narayan, take us all the way back to the beginning. How did you get involved with the team at Massive Monster and uh, start making the music for probably their biggest game and one of the biggest games in Australia.
1: Yeah. So um I was in a uh a group called Willow Beats. It was like a an electronic duo um of me and my niece who sung in it. And we um we were touring around uh, and Julian just happened to like our music and had come to a couple of shows. Uh and then down the track a little bit. Uh, I was on Twitter on the Willow Beats Twitter, and I like I never even used Twitter, but just it happened to be that time that I was on it. Um, he followed us, and I saw that he had like it kind of popped up, and he had like a gamey looking uh, profile picture. Um, and you know, I've been a loved games my whole life, and uh, messaged him and he said, "Oh, you make games? I love games." Um, and then he was like, "Oh, well, I really like your music." Um, you seek to do something one day and then like, sure enough, not long later, we made a small game called Unicycle Giraffe, which is a little phone game where you're a unicycle, you're a giraffe on a unicycle, um, not the other way around. And you're, you're all you do, you're just trying to balance basically, but I made a couple of tracks for that. Uh, it was really fun. And <clears throat> we had a lot of fun. And then down the track, a couple of years, uh, he hit me up again, and he was just like, "Oh, we're making a we're making a console game now. Um, we'd love to get you on board." And the rest is history. Really,
0: it's a, it's a game that sold millions of copies. Now, a lot of people have been listening to your music. Tell me a little bit about the process of, I guess, developing the sound for cult of the lamb what were those discussions like and you know did they just let you go wild or did you sit down and say these are the elements we want to include um, when building into the gameplay
1: initially the team the team had already heard a bunch of my music Julian had showed them a bunch of my stuff um, and they were already they already liked what I was doing so um, they, I was already off to like a good start uh, and um, that they, they did like initially they did send me a bunch of references so we were working on the game um they were like, all sending me a bunch of different stuff that they liked. Um, and it was all really different. So, you know, it's kind of that thing of being like, oh, how do I do this, but also this, and also this, and also this. But, you know, you kind of just try your best at mashing it all together. Um And, yeah, we did we did that for a while. At the, at the very beginning, there was quite a bit of iteration. There were... um I would send stuff and I would send a track and I would literally like make a track and then I would bounce it out with like different instruments, replacing all the instruments. And then I would bounce it again with all new instruments and bounce it again. I'd send them like four or five versions of the same track, just trying to like narrow down like, okay, what is this sound palette of this game? Um, and then eventually it just kind of started, it just started clicking, I guess. We just, we made a track that, um, yeah, it just was like, oh, this is working. And then from that point, it was kind of like, okay, well, I take all those instruments and I'll I'll save them. Um, And throughout the whole process, like a lot of my process is experimenting with like electronic sounds inside my computer and um, trying like unconventional things and, you know, bouncing things and reversing them and like warping the audio out and then cutting little, just all kinds of like little audio manipulations. Um, And as I'd figure out like new techniques, I would like, add that to the palette and it's like, okay, now this is also part of Cult of the Lamb. And then I could add that to other tracks and it would just grow and grow and grow until I have, you know, I have like these big folders of different instruments and um, effects chains that I've made and different things that are part of the sound of Cult of the Lamb.
0: Can you tell, t- tell us about some of the things that you were first thinking about instrumentation wise that just didn't work when you started to actually put it into the game and they listened to it? And, and what were some of those key elements um, that made it into the final soundtrack
1: yeah yeah so um initially um i think like the first f- few tracks i made were like too bouncy and jolly i think actually we, we were like i was making some tracks for i'm just trying to think of like the first ones i made oh actually no i remember i was making biome tracks and i was really struggling to get the energy right um i just didn't really know how to make a track that felt like uh had that kind of um excitement and that like that edge that you need for combat because um, all the music I'd made beforehand was kind of like a bit more chilled out and a bit more spacious, and so i yeah I struggled for a long time to like get the energy right and the feedback would always be like, oh, it's really good, but just needs more energy and then like over iteration you just figure out different ways to add energy to a track and um but yeah some of the, some of the main stuff that made it through uh a lot of vocal manipulation so uh, I knew from the start that I wanted to use a lot of vocals because. It is a game that is very occult. And I think, oh, occult, so chants, hymns. It also has like a, a bit of a biblical theme going on. So, um, you know, I was thinking like choirs and that kind of holy sound. So, um, yeah, when I first got the job, like n- pretty soon afterwards, I bought like a couple of different choir um, uh, instruments or um, like sound libraries. So they're essentially like, um, sorry, I'm not sure how much you know about music production, but um, basically... A singer will go and sing every note um, at a bunch of different velocities and a bunch of different vowel sounds. So like ah, A, E, O, E, right? And then um, they kind of put that into an electronic instrument that you can then play back. So it's like you can like play this person's voice in a way.
0: It goes against a keyboard effectively or you can do it in other ways. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, I bought a bunch of libraries like that and then I started like looking at ways that I could manipulate them. So like one of the main ones that I think is like – um that i think of when i think of the cult of the lamb soundtrack is the um that like stuttering vocal that goes like um and the way that i achieve that is through an effect called a gate which is basically um stop sound coming in and you can use another sound to tell it when to open so i use another like very percussive sound that's like and that's feeding into the gate that's on the vocal so the vocal is like opening in time with this like very percussive sound.
0: Is it a sustained note? Is that how it kind of goes through the background and you're using the gate to actually with that percussive
1: Yeah it's sustained but I'm changing I'm changing the vowels um yeah so it's like e a o a like that kind of thing um and then yeah it's getting cut up by the gate
0: can you tell me a little bit about like you know once you started getting into the rhythm and the flow of actually making this and you kind of had an idea of what the the flavor of Cult to the lamb was like what did that process look like for you um was it completely electronic because i've seen videos of you going and sampling barrels and things like that and making sounds out of that what, what does that look like um to actually get to the final picture
1: yeah, for sure. So, um, a lot of it is electronic. Um, I also I sing in a few tracks, like just like um, like little vocal lines here and there. I play bansuri flute, which is like a um, like an Indian. This is like an Indian classical flute. Um, I'm not that good at it, but I'm good at editing. So I'll record for like, you know, 20 minutes and then find like four seconds of good playing. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of that. Uh, I play guitar as well. So like in tracks like um, knucklebones, uh, all that guitar is me. Um, but a lot of it is in the box. So a lot of it is in my computer using plugins, but I like to like, I like to use them in kind of like, a, I don't know if you call it like hacky, but like, just like try and like think outside the box, inside the box. So like an example of that might be like, okay, I've got this vocal line. All right. I'll like bounce it out with a bunch of reverb on it. So then I've got this like really reverberant version of it. Um, I'll pitch it up seven semitones and I'll reverse that. And then I'll lead those notes into the, in like the actual melody. So like, it'll like ramp up this kind of. Higher note of it uh, into the actual note. It's like like weird stuff like that. Like I'm just always trying to like find that like a little extra source where I can.
0: What What that really reminds me of is when you see musicians who use a lot of circuit bending um, to try to adjust the sounds and just kind of like make weird, creaky sort of stuff out of cool uh, old uh, bits of electronics and things like that. Um, you know, when you're trying to translate that, because one of the exciting things is that your music is going to be played by an orchestra. How do you take that with all these little pieces that are sliced together out of lots of big takes and, um, you know, keyed to a synthesised instrument and things like that. How do you turn that into something that an orchestra can actually play?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, that process is called uh, arranging and um, we worked with uh, Orchestra Victoria uh, who helped me arrange it into versions that instruments that people can play. So, um, I sent, uh, Alex was the guy that worked on it uh, from orchestra Victoria. I sent him a bunch of MIDI and the tracks. Um, and then he took all that and he basically said, okay, we've got a seven piece band. Um, the marimba is going to play this. The vocalist is going to sing that and like kind of takes it all and arranges it for that band. Um, which is like a a really cool process. And, um, yeah. And then he would like send me drafts and then I could kind of go through and say, oh yeah, this is great, but like, what about this little bit? And we just kind of went back and forth a, a bit, but he's honestly like amazing. So it was like pretty spot on almost, almost right away.
0: I wonder if there was anything really surprising from that process of someone having access to the music that you've had such a fine touch on the whole time, then looking at your music and reinterpreting that. Did you notice anything like that through that process?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's actually, there's one thing that I noticed that is like quite interesting. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, there's like some melodies in the game. So there's this melody in the song, Saviour. Um, and like, it's it's just weird. In my head, it's a vocal melody and I like picture it one way. Um, and I was like, oh, this is the melody. It's like really simple. It's got these notes. And then the way he like um, scored it is differently because it, it kind of uses this vocal that goes between different notes. It's like, it's, it's it, yeah, you, it, I play this vocal that goes between different notes and it's kind of like a, a little bit... Not clear exactly what's going on there, right? It's like a little bit ambiguous. Um, and then I have this way, I have this idea of what it is in my head of how. It, what the melody is and then he came back and it was like different and i'm like oh what's going on like that's not how it is but then like i actually went through and listened to it and i'm like oh actually it kind of is and so it's just weird that yeah i just found it kind of bizarre it's kind of like i think it was like maybe in between both of us but it's just funny that i had pictured it as this like really simple line um and he uh interpreted it completely differently
0: those arrangements um, has anyone else heard them yet or will it be an opportunity for people to see it in the very first uh, time in games week
1: no so to be honest like I haven't even heard them like I've heard the um, like the MIDI equivalent right so you kind of put it through your software instruments and you get like a draft of what it kind of is gonna sound like but um, you know it's a completely different thing when actual musicians that have played instrument their whole life are like interpreting this music so yeah I I, I haven't even really heard it. <laughs>
0: I think it's really interesting because when we we did a lot of composition in Sibelius and programs like that when we're in school and, you know, you can obviously do things in in software that you just actually can't physically play because your fingers can't get to the place. Um, And I think it'd be really interesting to see how that has been adjusted and reinterpreted so that a human being can play um, these things that were designed to be played completely by computers.
1: Yeah, totally. And, like, that's part of it. Hey, like, sometimes you've got to take a melody, um, whereas, like, I might take a marimba, like, it might hit some notes that an actual marimba won't have, or like that the, the scale of marimba that we can fit in on the stage can't go that high. So then you just got to like take it, pull it down an octave, and like kind of work it all into a format that can be played by this band.
0: Um, tell me a little bit about um, what the process was like um, once you, you know, had got your all the pieces in there. You've now come back and, and done DLC and additional um, pieces for this game. It's expanded beyond, I think, what everyone could have had in their wildest dreams. Um, what is it like revisiting that place and, and then adding, you know, new elements into the the, the, the score?
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So we had Jonas Turner on sound effects uh, for the game and he did like the first like big, huge bulk of all the sounds that were in the initial release. Um, but then he uh, moved on to other projects and, you know, we needed more sounds for the new uh, weapons and such. And um, yeah, I think, Someone sent them to me, and i I kind of just tried my best and being able to like look at the project that what he had already done, I was able to like um learn from that and then like pull it all together and yeah make make sound effects that everyone was happy with and so now, um they were like, oh, you can do these now, so oh like here, yeah, have all the sound effects which is which is really sick like i've I'm stoked, but it's like a whole new um you know I've never studied it or i, I I'm just kind of learning it as I go um but you know, I've got his amazing work to look on and I've got the FMOD project with like all of his stuff there and I can like see the way he's stacked things. And um, yeah, so one of the major changes is I'm doing like all the sound now, which is great. Um, and yeah, it's been interesting. Like a lot of the songs that we have been working. So like, so like, um, for example, in the first update, we had like those remix biomes, right? Um, and so like I would just like remix the initial track. And so it's kind of like I'm remixing myself. Uh, and then in the update, the uh, Don't Starve crossover that we just put out, um, I did the same thing for the boss tracks. So I, like, remixed all the boss tracks. And uh, it's it's interesting. Like, I yeah, I enjoy it. I like kind of, like, looking back at the old work and reinterpreting it in my own way.
0: At the very top, you kind of talked about how, you know, the music that you did with Willow Beats was much more chill and you needed to get that energy up when you're creating this. And I'm curious, what from your songwriting perspective, how has that process changed for you over the time that you've been working on this game are you, are you just working pretty much exclusively on cult of the lamb or are you making other music as well
1: yeah so i'm like it's definitely like the main main project in my life for sure like it's the main thing that i'm working on um i'm working on like little bits and pieces here and there i do want to release some more music myself like i'd like to put out a river boy ep of just like songs that i make just for fun um so there's that and yeah there's like little odds and ends projects here and there that i take up um But yeah, cult of the lamb is definitely like I feel like the center of my work at the moment.
0: And what about your composition process? Has it changed much since starting this project to what you do now?
1: I don't know. Like, I it it probably has. I'm just not sure how. It's like you know, it's like one of those things that has changed so slowly that it's like I, I feel like I'm better. I'm a better composer than I was when I started, for sure. But I don't know like what exactly it is. Like, I think. I think partially I understand how sounds work together more. So um, like I also mixed and mastered all the music in Cult of the Lamb and um, I feel like I have a better understanding of like which sounds are going to work with each other. Whereas like I feel I listen to some of the early tracks and I'm like, oh, that's really muddy because I'm like trying to like jam two sounds that are the same frequency like into the same space, right? Um, so that's definitely one thing. And then just, just confidence. Like I've just like um, made that many tracks for the game. People like them. The team likes them. It's like I I just feel more like oh, like yeah, more confident, I guess for sure.
0: You've come from a music background. You're now part of a game studio. Um, Can you tell me what did you learn through that process? Things that just never occurred to you until you had to um, make a game.
1: Um, Yeah. So um, one of the major things that I um, that was different than my previous like work was um, using middleware. So I learned to use FMOD and um, Maze Wallen uh gave me some tutorials at the beginning there. And then um Paul Capetko, um that he also he gave me some tutorials along the way. And he actually he was giving me um quite a bit of help whenever I needed anything, I would ask him or I'd hit up Maze as well. So I kind of had two people that would that I could hit up for help. (laughs) Um, So that was like yeah, it's interesting. I'd never I'd never used any middleware and it it just makes you look at composition in a different way because you realize what can be done. So yeah you kind of are like well i can use this parameter to um fade between a night version and a day version and um yeah stuff like that is just i wouldn't have thought of that before um yeah that's probably one of the main ones and then also just like trying to make a, a, a very specific mood for a very specific place um my music for Sh- before was kind of like um uh, it was kind of atmospheric and i feel like it did kind of i don't know it did put you in a bit of a place but uh in cult of the lamb it's like very specific like all right you're in this forest and you're fighting cult leaders
0: um can you tell me a little bit about um what the reactions have been like and you won an award you won an australian game developer award for a soundtrack last year um but seeing people enjoy and experience your soundtrack uh I, you know what has that feeling been like for you
1: yeah it's it's been great It's um yeah it's it's, it's amazing like um the reception just has been like overwhelmingly lovely and positive and everyone just seems so sweet and uh yeah i added yeah it's been awesome (laughs) yeah i've been in music for like a long long time you know i've been um was doing electronic music with willow beats i think we were like touring for seven ish years um and you know we had some like success. We got we had radio play and we um we played some festivals and we did some like big support slots. I think we supported yeah we supported Flume, um, Tashaltana, Alice in Wonderland. Like we we were doing all right. Um, but the reach that my music has had through this game has been like um like orders way 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 more orders of magnitude bigger. Um, and it's just yeah it's it's awesome. I think that as well like people that really get into games. I don't know this is just a theory, but I think that they're kind of like uh open to listening in a different way they're like kind of nerdy and i mean this is a generalization but they're they're interested in that stuff they care about i don't know if you like what vocal you chopped up or like, I don't know. They just, they, 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 they like to like look into things and they, they care about You
0: things. think they're a more technical audience?
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe. But even like from a story perspective, like on the YouTube, um, people will comment like the wildest stuff about like, oh, this song is like got this distorted voice in it because Hackett loses his voice. And then so like, like just like really looking deeply into the lore of the game and like, they, you know, they care a lot about that.
0: What are you most proud of?
1: Ooh, what am I most proud of? Um, uh, I just honestly, like I'll look at the Fmod projects and there's just like so much music in there. Like you don't realize, you know, at, at each each day you're just making like one song or one sound effect, right? But then like, you know, four years later you're like, what the hell have we done here? Like this is like a lot of music. I think at the moment there's fifty-one songs in the game. And like I'm pr- i they're all like I've, you know, I tried to do my best on each song. Like I'm I'm proud of each track that I've that I've put out in the game and it's just like a huge body of work. Um yeah, I'm just proud of the bodywork and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the team. Like everyone is just I feel like we just have so many like superstars, hey, that like like everyone just kills it in their own field. Um, it's just wild. Like it's yeah, some of the most talented people and hardworking people that I've ever met. And we all work together and it's awesome.
0: And are you in Massive Monster for the long haul or are you likely to go back into other bits and pieces? What does it look like no, for you?
1: Yeah, I mean I think, yeah, I think so. Honestly, it hasn't been like discussed as like, all right, you are here forever now, but like I work as a, I'm an employee. So I work 20 hours a week on, on cold to the lamb stuff. Um, I imagine when we move on to something else, I'll just keep working with massive monster on that. I don't think it's been like official, like you're with us forever, but I hope that we are because I feel like we have a really good relationship and, um, yeah, then the, the, like the three directors, um, Jay, Jim and Julian are like the best, like they're so sweet. And, um, they have, like, yeah, just really, like, really cool people, really awesome to work with, super talented. I've just, yeah, I've had the best time. So I just want to keep working with them as
0: long as possible, really. You've got a big Melbourne International Games Week. It's not too far away at the time that we're recording this. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that people will be able to experience uh, in your work and also for Cult of the Lamb?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we're doing a uh, ritual, uh, a live ritual at Fed Square. Um, So we're basically going to be, like, projecting across uh, the fed square wall um, and I'm gonna be on this like little booth thing in a occult robe um, and like doing musical stuff up there and so that is on the fifth of October which is a Thursday and we're also gonna have like um, a four meter high puppet and we're gonna have a bunch of puppets roaming around and um, yeah it's just gonna be it's gonna be awesome I, I, I th- I'm imagining I'm hoping that people come in like there in their cosplay. And it's just going to be like a big party. And then I'm going to like finish it out with like a DJ set. So um, yeah, first we're going to like um, sacrifice some people. <laughs> Not really. But first we're, first we're holding a ritual and then it's going to be a party. So um, yeah, come hang out.
0: And then people can catch your music being played by Orchestra Victoria at Acme the next couple of days after that. It's I think it's the 6th and the 7th.
1: Yeah. So we're, and then the, we're, um, there'll be the orchestral reimagination, the orchestral reimaginings of the Cult of the Lamb soundtrack um on the 6th at 6 p.m and on the 7th at 3 30 and 6 p.m and um yeah it's going to be like a whole new story it's going to be a whole new cult of the lamb story um yeah with all the best songs played live so yeah come say hi come hang
0: a lot of fun things to be enjoying ryan thank you so much for joining me i'm a big fan of your work it's been a real pleasure to speak to you today on Lightmap.
1: no i appreciate it man thanks for having me
0: Sifter is produced by Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang, Chris Button, and Adam Christu. Mitch Lowe is senior producer, and my name is Gianni Giovanni, and I'm the executive producer. You can find links to everything we've talked about on our website, and uh, we've had Jay and Julian on the show quite a few times. We haven't got Jim yet. Time zones are a challenge on that one there, but we've got quite a few of the massive monster crew on the show. So if you want to have a listen back to our archives, have a look on our website, which is sifter.com. Dot au, where you can read more about the games and the guests that we we've featured. And while you're online, one of the best things you can do is actually just tell people about the show, like actually just share it. If you like an episode, send it off to someone else and say, hey, you might enjoy this. Uh, word of mouth is really important for indie podcasts and indie games. Um, so let your friends know if you reckon they'll enjoy it. Send them a link, make it easy for them and get them to take part in the show. We'll love you forever for it. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode of Light Lightmap.
1: Hi, Chris Button here from Drop Rate, Sifter's video game review podcast. Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth is finally here, continuing the ambitious reimagining of a beloved classic.
0: It's very, very funny. I guess like that's that's part of the silliness, you know? Like
1: you have this these really big world-ending stakes, you know, Sephiroth is a really terrifying villain, you know, the world's ending. And I think to have a game that is still fun and pleasant to play, I think maybe the tone is kind of it's important to strike both tones because you need that levity so that it's not constantly depressing, you know? And I think so having the characters have that humour and like having the mini games and having it be a little bit lighter-hearted, I think does give you that hope. Does it uphold the legacy of the famous original or burn Midgar to ashes to forge its own path? Find out on Drop Rate, available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts.